Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment by interviewing cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations. Dr. Elsie is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters as soon as they reopen. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. This show is also brought to you by Meet Me, where they make organic, humane, raw frozen foods and dehydrated treats on their own rural farm in Virginia. The turkey, chicken, rabbit, and beef are certified organic and humanely raised and processed right on their property. So they control safety and health for animals on their farm and at your home, which is why they say, from farm to bowl. How nice to meet you, Paul. I'm sorry Baba isn't available for the interview, but I have a feeling she might be taciturn about discussing things. She seems quite the diva. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. Uh, Baba is here. She just tends to not speak in a recognizable language to anyone but me, I guess. I would, you definitely, uh, but, uh, you definitely communicate with her deeply. Thank you. Um, and I want to say that I am, I am so glad to be talking to you because I know you also talk about dogs. And, um, you know, so far I've been doing interviews on this book that are just from, about cats, cats, cats. But I think we can – we have a lot to say really about the history of cats and dogs Ooh, together. Nice. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the relationship between cats and dogs by doing this research and and writing this book because, you know, we have this um, this misconception, these stereotypes that cats and dogs are these like antithetical poles, right? And they're kind of like naturally adversarial. Right. And, you know, that's just not true. And, and if you talk to people who own both cats and dogs, they'll often tell you it's like, yeah, a mind get along great, right? Absolutely. So where did it come from? Yeah. Where did the where did and, and the where did the bad blood come from, or the perception of it? You mean? Yeah, and and I found this out. You know that um, that it, you know it's not part of the natural world, and it's not part of feline mythology that they're somehow opposed to dogs. It actually comes around in the in the 18th century, because at the time, uh, you know, cats had been down very low in terms of public perception in Europe. You know, they'd be associated with witchcraft and the devil and so forth. And there was a big movement in France to elevate the cat as a really good pet. And there were even people in the royal court who were taking in cats. And there was this naturalist named the Comte de Buffon. And, and in the book, you know, which is narrated by my cat, she calls him the Comte de Buffoon, because she doesn't like him very much, because he was he was totally anti-cat. And it's actually because of him, because he wrote this history book about the natural world, and he talked about cats versus dogs. And he kind of, this man, because it's not natural, and this man kind of invented something that's still with us today, this idea that dogs are, you know, like active and loyal and cats are kind of like capricious and domestic animals. 
and he kind of like compared them pole versus pole. You know, it's like he said, you know, he hated cats and he's like dogs, you know, dogs walk straight up to you and a cat walks up to you by oblique angles or these complete opposite animals and everything the dog does that's good. The cat does that's an inversion and it's bad. And he hated cats even the way they hunted. He said, you know, a dog is like a an honest hunter. It charges at its prey, whereas a cat is like a stealth hunter and it hides and it pounces. You know, and in the book, you know, my, my cat as the narrator is like, well, good thing for humans that we're dishonest hunters, you know, because it helped us catch all those rats that were plaguing you. Good luck getting the dogs to catch them. So, you know, I just think it's funny that, you know, it's like we have this perception that these two animals are somehow – antithetical and they're polar opposites and there is some animosity between them and there's no animosity between cats and dogs in the natural world other than the animosity that that exists between any species right because we're all fighting for survival in the natural state well it would seem like the human species all of our fighting is done within our species sadly and everyone's fighting yeah, for well, their own turf so you know yeah. we we're that's a, we humans are the worst example of that i think what i love about the book besides these photos of baba who's done up in the most extraordinary like win a contest costumes and wigs and, yeah, well, and she, headdresses she's a supermodel but you don't explain anywhere in the book unless i didn't find it who did these creations of her? I mean, the book is a feast for the eyes, not just for the brain. And the history is filtered through Baba's voice in a very funny way, but extremely interesting. I, I think it's worth noting that, that your doctorate is in art history from UCLA. And yeah. And and you and you've liked researching odd odd things, unusual things, ephemeral. What did it say in the press release? Eccentric, ephemeral, and macabre. And I read that, and I think, okay. But then I read a cat's tale, and it's true. You've dug up the most fantastic well, scraps and bits and depths of where cats have been throughout human history. It's pretty fabulous. Well, let, let me say say first of all that what I really like researching and the thing that ties my previous work really with this one, because it doesn't seem like it ties together. I like researching things that have fallen between the cracks. If no one else is right. researching it, you mm -hmm. know, I'm natural. I'm one mm -hmm. of those guys who's got the flashlight poking around in the yes. basement because I want all that stuff. And so that's the reason that the history of cats really appealed to me because we just have kind of, we've kind of obliterated their history. You know, they're kind of ahistorical and they kind of somehow for us, like cats start with the internet running across piano keys or something. And we just forget the incredible role that they had even as far back as prehistory and she makes in the you know the narrator as a cat kind of makes this argument that's like you know you may not have gotten very far in the neolithic without us to come along and protect your grain for those rats you might not have gotten very right. far with this agriculture stuff you know? right. so we kind of forget that history um and we can talk about why but you asked about the question the the costumes and I'd love to to explain that to you. So obviously, I'm also a photographer. So I did all the photos for the book. I did all the cat photos. Her costumes, and for those who haven't seen the book, yes, yeah, she's done up like you know, she's done up like a historical model. Really, it's like cosplay. So she's done it as like a cosplay model for all these roles throughout history. And most of those are actually either old doll costumes or teddy bear costumes that I have modified. And there is. Of course, pre-COVID, you know, there was a um, there was actually a scene for um, specialty flea markets for doll collectors. No, you're and, kidding um, me. Yes, no, no, I'm not kidding. Wow. And doll hobbyists. And I was on the I was on the mailing list. And at the time, I was living in Los Angeles. And any time there was a doll flea market anywhere in California, 
I would make a road trip to it. Like San Diego, Sacramento, if you're a dog wow. club having, a, having an event, I am coming. And I picked up a lot of – some of these dolls are crazy expensive. You know, it's like you can find old Victorian dolls that are thousands and thousands of dollars. No kidding. But at the same time – oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, like anything, you know, there's connoisseurship, right? Of course, right? yes. So, so high-end high anything is valuable. But at the same time, there would always be these boxes of old, unwanted doll clothes and doll costumes. And, you know, for like three, four dollars a pop. And I would just go through those boxes and I'd pull out any pieces I could find, you know, a hat from here, uh, a dress from here, you know, a, a bodice or a corset from there. And then I would take them all home. And of course, a cat has a different anatomy than a doll. <laughs> but then I would, you know, obviously, because the shoulders are in the wrong place, because a doll is trying to emulate, you know, a human being and a cat doesn't really have shoulders in a human sense. You know, they, the legs come straight out. But, you know, so I would recut the outfits and redo them and all those wigs she's wearing when she's wearing wigs in the photos those are all doll wigs i knew her My size God. she was a size size 14 doll wig so no. i look for these yes i'd look for old uh doll wigs in the boxes and a, a friend of mine who is uh, a a real high-end professional model she, she's a famous model she, she's a guest model and um she told me some secrets for like styling wigs so i got some you know got some <laughs> tips from the real pros yeah 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 you know <laughs> and so she she's the one who turned me on to like certain kinds of hairsprays and stuff that would be good for synthetic hair so i could because you know it, it, the thing with a doll wig is um you know, it's like a human wig in terms of scale, a human wig, if there's one hair out of place, you're not going to notice. But on this small scale of a doll wig, if I had two hairs that were flying out of place, it's kind of a problem. You notice it in the in the photos. So I got some pro tips on styling synthetic hair. And um, some of those costumes were originally intended for teddy bears. Aww. And um, and so I would get these old teddy bear suits and I would recut them. But by the end. Some of the some of the most magnificent costumes. By the end of the book, I had a list of like eight things left over. I needed a suit of samurai armor. I had the helmet, but I didn't have a cat-sized <laughs> suit of samurai armor. I needed that Napoleon Bonaparte costume because he's really important in the story. I needed an outfit that really looked like Cardinal Richelieu's, and I needed these very specific things. And fortunately. Um, well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for her, I had a friend who was a costumer for Hollywood films who was out of work. And she is just – she's a friend of mine who just loves weird projects. Oh, so, I so her up one she day. made them. Yes. The last eight – it was a, the last set of eight were things that were just beyond my ability to, to cobble together. And so I called her up, and I was like, hey, I know you're interested in some weird projects, you know, and I know you have some time. I got a weird project for you, and I'll kick you some money. You want to make a Napoleon Bonaparte outfit for a cat? She's like, oh, God, yes. And it's magnificent. And so she, the one that's kind of royal purple like a, yes. with the, the gold she, oh, trim, she, yeah, she's and so it has good. these buttons. So it's, it's I mean, what's so funny is people listening think, okay, this guy's nuttier than a fruitcake, and he's making these these – it's hard really to verbalize how extraordinary the costumes yeah. are that you have her in. They're, each one of them you know, could be a poster kind of thing. But then you're also yeah. this yeah. absolutely scholarly uh, investigative reporter slash scholar. And you found really fascinating facts and information about cats throughout all kinds of cultures. You know, not even just Western, but yeah. Eastern and Asian. Sure. And then... 
and you tie it together in Baba's voice as being this roller coaster that cats have ridden on, where they were very high in 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 society. And then very low. As so, high as you can get and as low as you can yeah, get. Yeah, so it, like that, Burma, the, Munha, and this yes. whole part about old Burma was fascinating about how important. I mean, we all know about Egypt, and you have some great stuff and some wonderful, a lot of beautiful photographs of objects and sphinxes and stuff, not just creations of you making her into yes. Nefertiti. but. We know about that. Oh, yeah, cats are sphinxes. But the number of cultures in which cats factored as being deity-like beings is pretty amazing. It's fantastic. You must have had a a ball finding it all. Well, you're right about the roller coaster because that is exactly the analogy that I used for it in my head because it was because no animal – in all of history, ever went as high as the cat, and no animal ever was plunged down as low. That you know, that differential from the height of the low points is really shocking. And for those people who aren't too familiar with the basic outline of feline history, what we're talking about is you know being venerated at you know at the lap of the gods in some cultures, and and as you mentioned, not just Egypt, but then in in medieval Europe during the time of heresy, you know the the Christians came along. And they had to topple the pagan world. And to topple the, the pagan world mean to take, meant to take everything the pagans held to be sacred and invert it. So if you were at the lap of the gods in the pagan world, you were, the, you were in the lap of the devil of the Christian world. You know? So everything gets inverted, and cats really come crashing down to the point that in the Middle Ages, uh, you know, we know about cats and witchcraft, but it's much, much older than that. In the Middle Ages, and I, we document in the, this in the book, people were throwing cats onto bonfires. You know, they were sacrificing cats as instruments of the devil. And really, were it not for this one incredible saving talent that cats had, this ability to to catch rodents, cats may have very well been exterminated in Europe because there was really a war against them. It, which is extraordinary, the, the, the part where you, you talk about how they were seen as soul stealers. They were uh, instruments yeah. of the devil and soul stealers. And, and in that section, you have an incredible costume. I can't believe this was ever a doll or a teddy bear costume of Baba in a nun's habit. It's pretty fabulous, or maybe it's a, it's, it's a nun, because <laughs> yeah. it's not a monk, that, that because she's nun. got the yeah. full headdress. It's pretty fantastic. I mean, in, that would have yeah. been seen as the ultimate heresy at the time. Yeah, well, and she, she that is actually a doll costume. I had ordered that off eBay. It was like a Franciscan nun doll. And uh, I, I ordered it and just threw the doll away and took the costume <laughs> off of it. Um, I actually, you know, I actually did do her as a Franciscan monk, and I did do her as a priest. You know, obviously, we, you know, for a book like this, you don't use all the material. You know, like they say in, in Hollywood, some stuff winds up on the, you know, right cutting room some floor, stuff winds yeah. up on the cutting board. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing with the priest wands were like I'd show it to people and they'd be like. Oh, that wig. No. Because <laughs> it was, for, again, you know, this is, people are, are listening to this blind because they don't know the photos, but there's a great photo of my cat as Andy Warhol because Andy Warhol was a big cat lover. Yes. And so I took this silver wig and I, I teased it out to do the Warhol photo. And then for this priest photo, I was like, well, a priest should be like an older guy who has kind of silvery hair. And so I took the Warhol wig and I combed it back down. So it's the same wig as the Warhol wig. And it was like 
still kind of ratty and teased out. And everyone was like, yeah, no. let's pass on the priest. <laughs> that, that weird ratty haired priest. Let's just leave that picture. So out. funny. So, so the well, nun wound up I, there. And I, I want to make sure in, in wrapping it up, because we're running very low on time to say that this sure. book is it's it's rich, rich, rich in text and very funny text because Baba maintains her voice throughout it and she's very brilliant cat. But it's such a feast for the eyes. It's just amazing. It's sort of like a, a magical mystery tour. You turn the page, you're like, hello. And this cat is in these costumes. It's, it's really, you, you've obviously got another calling and luckily you were able to explain it in this book beyond, you know, ideas and beyond scholarship to something much, much beyond. I, I think what you've done here is amazing, Paul. And I think that any cat Thank lover you. and any lover of the obscure, the ephemeral, the really, I didn't know that, will love this book. It's again, it's called A Cat's Tale, A Journey Through Feline History, written by Baba the Cat as dictated to Paul Kudineris. And it's a wonderful book, a, a great gift book. But I think it may be one of those you buy as a gift for a cat-loving friend and you open it and think, nah, I think I'll get them another copy and keep this. Paul, thanks for all the love and, and affection you gave to cats throughout history as well as to your own girl. Well done. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Cat Chat. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which created their own clean protein foods inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but clean protein also comes as a dry food, the first one I would recommend if you want to feed dry even as part of your cat's diet. This show is also supported by cat water, specially formulated to appeal to cats, chlorine-free, ozonated, and lightly acidic, to encourage them to drink more to promote urinary tract health and the ideal pH.